Hey everyone, before we start today's episode, I wanted to give a quick trigger warning for today's topic. Today's story has a general theme of wartime violence that isn't suitable for all audiences, so listener's discretion is advised. And don't worry, in the meantime, we'll be back next week with more episodes. Thanks for your understanding, and let's get into today's topic. There is an island off the coast of Croatia, just 1.5 nautical miles from the city of Dubrovnik. The small desert island is home to a 13th century Benedictine monastery, a rustic lighthouse, and idealistic landscapes. Oh, and if you're in the market for a piece of real estate in the Adriatic Sea, you might be interested to know that the property is up for grabs. If you can stomach its menacing reputation, that is. Because according to those who live or frequent the nearby city of Dubrovnik, the islet is also allegedly the setting for a rather grisly haunting. Apparently, on stormy nights, ghostly moans can be heard emanating from the dense forest past its shorelines. Not to mention, the site is widely avoided, despite its ease of access and the tourist popularity of the many other keys scattered about the Adriatic Sea. Perhaps the prospect of encountering one of the island's many spirits is too much of a risk for most vacationers. Or maybe the supposed curse placed on the location is cause for apprehension. But regardless of its circumstances, the story and lore behind Croatia's Doxa Island is shrouded in mystery. It's rarely referenced in discussions or literature about haunted sites, and despite years of my own research into the paranormal, I have never heard of this location until I started brainstorming topics for this week's episode. Which got me thinking. Maybe it's high time that someone shed some light on this otherwise picturesque island's obscured history. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. Like every good story, this is one worth starting at the beginning. So let's rewind back to the 13th century, when Doxa Island was inhabited by a brotherhood of Benedictine monks. The monastery of St. Sabina, or Holy Sabine as it was known back then, was built in the year 1281. At the time, Doxa Island itself was owned by Croatian nobleman Sabine Gadaldic. As his name would suggest, it was he who financed the monastery where these monks lived, worked, and prayed. And upon his death, he even left the island and the monastery to the monks in his will. For a while, all was well for the Benedictine Brotherhood. That is, until the late 18th century, when Napoleon Bonaparte began his conquest of the Mediterranean. It wasn't long before he stumbled onto Holy Sabine in Doxa Island, and just like so many that came before, the small isle was claimed in the name of France. So the monks were essentially evicted from their home, and undoubtedly a fair few lost their lives in the process. 
and it should come as no surprise that the monks weren't exactly happy with their circumstances either. Now, there are some who believe that the monks were so angry even that they placed a curse on the isle itself. These were men of God, and some pretty remarkable miracles had been performed in his name. And at the time of the monastery's inception, crusades were rather rampant throughout Europe. So, I guess really, who knows what these men were capable of. Yes, it is entirely possible that this brotherhood of monks attempted to place a curse on the island at the time of their eviction. However, I think the more likely theory is that rumors of a curse came to be in more modern history, in an effort to make the story of Doxa Island even more mystical and terrifying than it already is. Now, before we go any further, I urge you to consider this for a moment. Details about Holy Sabine and the brothers who lived and worked there are not widely available to us. However, we know that they were Benedictine monks, and there is a vast amount of information regarding how Benedictine monks lived and worshipped, meaning that we should be able to get a general understanding of how this sect operated. In fact, Benedictine monks were to follow the rule of St. Benedict, which was a book written by Benedict of Mercia for monks living communally under authority of an abbot. Now, the overarching theme of this book was Pax Ora et Labora, which is Latin for peace, prayer, and labor, emphasis on the peace aspect of that motto. Considering this pacifistic lifestyle, coupled with the idea that the act of cursing would have been considered black magic at the time, it seems very unlikely that any monastic brotherhood would ever attempt to perform a curse on sacred ground. And further, why would they even need to? Given the violent nature of Napoleon's conquests, it is very likely that the grounds of this once pristine and holy island were soiled in the chaos. And as we'll see as we continue the story, it's negative energy that begets negative energy. Despite Doxa's humble yet tragic beginnings, the landscape and historical sites of the island are painstakingly maintained. After the monks of Holy Sabine were driven from the island, and the French army left its shores for other conquests, the island was sold to a Polish prince by the name of Alexander Paninski. By all accounts, Paninski seemed to be rather despondent over the island's recent history, so much so that he expended a vast amount of resources restoring the island to its former glory. He started by renovating the monastery, only stopping when it was once again how the monks had left it. He also began replanting the cypress, pine, and lemon trees that grew naturally on the island. He even left his own mark on Doxa with the addition of a small lighthouse and a library with a selection of over 4,000 books. In addition to these contributions, the remains of a 19th century villa still stands on the islet, along with some larger structures that are theorized to have been used for agriculture. But in spite of Doxa Island's natural and architectural beauty, 
the site eventually became more or less disregarded and forgotten. That is, until the end of the Second World War, when yet another tragedy befell onto its shores. It was October 1944, a fitting month for the horror story that was about to unfold. It was the end of the war, and partisan forces entered Dubrovnik in search of suspected Nazi collaborators who were said to be hiding out in the city. Upon their arrival, they took into custody a priest by the name of Peter Perica, along with the city's newly appointed mayor, Nico Koprivsia. In the week that followed, postings started to appear around Dubrovnik, informing its citizens that 53 of their friends and neighbors were sentenced to stand for their alleged crimes in front of a firing squad. To this day, the surviving family members of those individuals are adamant that the accused were not involved with the Nazi party. And further, there is no public trial on record to determine whether or not these allegations were true. Instead, the accused were taken on boats to Doxa Island, where their sentence was ultimately carried out. Then the partisans simply returned to the Croatian mainland, leaving the victims buried in a mass grave. The Doxa executions, as the event is known today, was just one of many similar incidents carried out by the Yugoslav partisan forces at the end of the Second World War. In later years, a formal investigation was even launched into war crimes such as this, after the discovery of several mass graves scattered throughout the Balkan Peninsula, not unlike the ones on Doxa Island. They were left undisturbed for about 65 years, until in 2009, when the island had the rare honor of hosting a visitor. It was this unnamed individual who, upon walking through the ruins of an old farmhouse, stumbled onto a plot of human remains. Now you can imagine what a horrifying surprise this discovery was. So they immediately contacted Croatian authorities. Soon teams of forensic scientists and archeologists alike traveled to the island in scores to try to make sense of what had been found. Upon excavating the basement of this farmhouse, over 10,000 human bones were discovered, along with a handful of personal effects, including jewelry, crosses, rosaries, and even a few articles of clothing. These findings were then removed from the excavation site and taken to a lab on the mainland where they could be studied in a more controlled environment. They sampled teeth and bone fragments, and thanks to the modern miracle of DNA profiling, the team was able to make some pretty remarkable determinations. Of the 60 victims, DNA profilers were able to confirm that 53 were male. They were even able to determine the identity of 36 of those individuals, and confirmed that they were all between the ages of 20 and 63. Along with these identifiable details, forensic scientists were able to determine the manner in which a handful of these victims were killed. These forensic scientists also took into consideration the articles of clothing found at the site and theorized that, 
due to the lack of military decoration on the clothing, the victims were likely all civilian. Now for the sake of longevity, I won't read off the names of all those identified. However, I do think it's important to draw attention to who these people were. So I have included a full list of their names in the show notes for this episode on the Haunts website, and I encourage you to go read through them. But in the meantime, I think these findings give credence to just how grisly this incident was, which no doubt is cause for the local rumors that Doxa Island is haunted by the spirits of these victims. Which begs the question, is there any legitimacy to these claims? Or are these haunts just a phantasmal product of Doxa Island's dark history? there was a family living on the north side of Doxa Island. The father was the light keeper for that small rustic lighthouse that I mentioned at the start of the episode. And on October 24th, 1944, the light keeper and his family were removed from the island by the partisan army. They were brought to Dubrovnik, where they stayed for 17 days. And upon their return, they claimed that things were different on the island. For example, the family started noticing screams coming from the south side of the island at night. Not to mention, the lightkeeper's children no longer wanted to play outside. On one occasion, the children even discovered a human hand sticking up from the ground near the lighthouse. The children were obviously traumatized, and the lightkeeper and his wife weren't exactly thrilled that their children had been subjected to such a heinous scene. So needless to say, they moved away from the island a short time later. And upon returning to the mainland, news of the isle's ghostly residents spread like wildfires. As we know now, superstitions about the islet started cropping up around Croatia, and before long, no one would set foot on its shores, aside from the occasional curious traveler, that is. Those who are brave enough to make the trip out to the Island of Ghosts, as it is known by the locals, frequently report hearing screams and moans while on the island, along with feelings of being watched or an overwhelming sense of dread. And if that isn't chilling enough, other common reports are a bit more physical in nature. On several occasions, visitors had been scratched or even shoved by unseen forces. Shadow figures are also said to be lurking about the isle, specifically at locations known to be mass grave sites. And if the rumors are true, apparently these haunts extend to the waters surrounding the island. Apparently, if you are interested in riding out to Doxa by rowboat, you would likely hear the sound of rapping coming from the underside of your vessel. Some believe that reports of this nature are a warning from these long-forgotten spirits, almost as if they were trying to say, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. 
This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could give it a follow or leave a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show really helps us reach more listeners each week. Also, if you are interested in learning more about today's topic, I highly suggest checking out the show notes section on the Haunts website at hauntscast.com. This is where I link all of my sources and share any visual content that may be referenced during the show. Finally, if you would like to receive sneak peeks or updates about the show, make sure to sign up for our email list on the Haunts website or follow us on social media at Hauntscast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.